You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo Custodio. I'm your host. And today, for our first episode, we have Philip Hatzis, the creator and founder of Try Twenty Harder, who is going to talk with us about the first 10 years of his company. Philip, how are you? How is everything with you? I'm good, thank you, Diego. Very well, uh, all things considered, particularly healthy. So, uh, yeah, very happy. Thank you. So today, the podcast is to, to know a little bit more about Philip Hatzis. Who is he? How triathlon showed up in his life? What is Try Training Harder? What he first Try Training Harder from the, the other coaching companies? So, Philip, my, um, I, was, I think my first question for you is um, how triathlon just showed up in your life, um, how it all started. So how did triathlon appear in my life? Well, I, it's a, a, an amusing story in some ways, at least I find it amusing. I, I was doing sort of rugby to a very low level at, um, at school, and uh, I was doing cross-country as well at the same time. And I remember uh, on one particular occasion in the rugby field, I was – being a substitute for the second team or the, the first team or something like that. And the person in my position, which I was likely to go on, got injured. So I was getting ready to warm myself up. And the rugby coach came over to me and said, hey, Phil, would you mind going down to the other team, the lower team? Go get Tim because he's a better rugby player than you are. Bring him up. He can play and you can go and play down in the lower team like that. At which point I realized that rugby probably wasn't going to be my sport. And <laughs> and uh, continued a bit more in my cross country uh, running uh, there, kind of doing ten k's and uh, and the likes. Um, and then from that, I realised I quite enjoyed going further and further in terms of distance. And uh, my running coach at the time, then a guy called Alexis Christodoulou, who I'm still in good contact with, and um, yeah, he he said, "Hey Phil, I'm I'm going to do this Ironman uh, thing." do you fancy doing it with me? And uh, this was just a year after I left school. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. What is it? Um, which was probably the wrong way around. I should definitely have asked what it was before agreeing to do an Ironman. Uh, but yeah, that, I was sort of already playing with the idea of doing triathlon at that point in time. And uh, I guess that was a gentle nudge I needed to get a bit more involved in in doing triathlon. So yeah, since then, the, the triathlon did my first season and, and absolutely loved it. And kind of you stayed were there. 17, 18 years old? Um, yeah, I was 18, 18 when I, I guess I started doing triathlon that summer after school. Um, so I got some very loose swimming lessons with a friend who um, was kind of over in Greece and she, she knew how to swim quite well. I think her dad was a swimming coach. And uh, yeah, so I, uh, I went to did some, did some swimming with, uh, with her and her dad and, and it wasn't even swim lessons. It was, okay, Philip, this is your arm. This is how it goes into the water and this is how you go forwards. Um, I could swim, obviously. I, could, I mean, I was happy in the water. Uh, but actually sort of had to put together a front crawl and um, I guess I thought I could ride a bike I think uh, some people might argue as a triathlete I still don't know how to ride a bike um, but uh, I, I kind of picked up the other two sports I guess as, as people do think well I can run so the other two I can apply my fitness into into those sports and away we go um, but yeah so I was I was 19 when I did my uh, 19 yeah 19 when I did my first first time so when you went to university, you were not you didn't go as a as a sports and physical education, did you? No, I didn't. I uh, actually studied um, engineering and mastered in civil engineering. So uh, I, I didn't do anything sports related apart from I spent most of my time doing sport, but not actually studying it. That uh, 
I've probably studied more books in sport and Ironman and triathlon and training than I did uh, in terms of engineering. So uh, maybe I did study it at university, but not officially. Mm -hmm. So how did uh, the coaching uh, show up in your life then? Because if you went for engineering, you were an athlete. How did you end up being a triathlon coach? So there was a really good um, community of, of triathletes at the university. And um, being someone doing uh, Ironman distance, I was probably training stupidly more than, than most of the other people doing shorter course uh, triathlons. And so I guess naturally I was doing a little bit more and there was that ethos. It's kind of classic blokish, isn't it? You know, everyone let's go, go and do a little bit more training and let's go gun ho and go up mountains and go long rides and everything. And there was about five or six of us who were really keen just to go out and just love cycling and running and, and swimming. And the, the tri club grew a lot whilst I was there. Um, and as a result of it, growing we kind of slowly started to need to have some sort of guidance and as someone who a, had read lots of books because you kind of can't really just wing an iron man as you know uh, you kind of have to have a little bit of structure in your training so i was reading and, and following some training plans online and learning about nutrition and how to do training again very low level if you like coaching stuff i formalized that through uh through the tri club there because they were opportunities to go and get your qualifications um, so I did my first qualification of coaching whilst at university to help really with the club and have some sort of structure in the sessions. And, uh, and then from there, kind of coaching started, if you like, at that volunteer basis and progressed onwards to where I am now. And then had like the curiosity to, uh, to learn more and more and more. Yeah. I mean, I, I just like learning, I guess I'm one of those people who would much rather read a, a read a book on some sort of subject material, which I can learn from, than put my head into a novel, uh, which, occasionally drives them a little bit weird a bit mad sorry but i and, and finds it a bit weird um but i really enjoy learning and so for me yeah learning's really really good big part of that and yes i guess i just kept on learning and reading and, and doing what i could so this was in 2009 2010 when that when that happened philip when was that uh yeah i think i got my first um coaching qualification in 2009 um yeah it would be about 2009 i yeah 2008 i think was my first time man um and i guess i took coaching qualification up shortly after that off memory and then in 2010 there was something that came up in your life that maybe is not a huge part of it um you want to tell us a little bit more about it um well the, uh, the immediate thing which came to mind because you were talking about it was how i was <laughs> uh, had a particularly tough race in south africa um, but i think i know you're alluding to try training harder and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah no in uh, in 2010 uh, a couple of friends and i were as you do kind of sat around having a beer in in pub in the pub sorry and um we're just talking about opportunities to try and get some sort of work experience we all sort of had uh, career options. So I was sort of meant to go into the army and a couple of other friends were looking into, into Deloitte's and sort of corporate worlds and everything else. And so we were just talking about how we could get some sort of uh, work experience just to kind of add to our CVs at the time. And we thought, well, it might be quite good fun just to set up a business just to have experience because in mean, 2010, nothing was really happening in terms of uh, opportunities for anybody, um, especially not undergraduate. Um, students desperately trying to get some sort of work experience which is of value so we just thought well we'll set up a, a company and, and see what would happen and we we'd been in january went down to uh, portugal just a few of us um just to go do some training because the weather was going to be quite good and did a very informal training camp and uh, absolutely loved it so yeah in the summer we thought well why don't we 
do this as a as an actual job see see if we can make it work understand the mechanisms of setting up a company and and all the stuff which goes with it and uh, then at least we have something to talk about in any job interviews we have going forwards and so, that's so what we did. yeah over the summer we just sort of thought well we'll give it a go um we kind of decided on a name eventually and then um we kind of set it all up and away we went uh happy go lucky campus so to speak so we can say that a group of uh, friends around like what 19 years old uh, we would have been around about 20, 21, kind of around about then, but yeah. Did you guys decide to create a, well, a triathlon company or a training camp company when you were still you know, young kids? Would you ever imagine that the company would be on the, the stage or the step that we have it right now? Uh, no, we, we genuinely thought it was going to be a bit of beer money and experience and uh, probably more opportunity for us to go training. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. I mean, it was, we set up as a, as a training holiday destination. You know, it was a, let's go over here to Portugal. You know what Portugal's like. It's it's fantastic in terms mm -hmm. of um, the the roads, the, uh, the climate, uh, and all the other good reasons as to why we set things up over there. But, you know, we we just thought, well, it's a great way of sort of being paid a little bit of money to do what we love doing and getting ex experience out of it. So, yeah, there was never at that moment in time a real belief that it could be in any way the scale of what it is at the moment and what it has done in the past as well with some other kind of contracts and stuff with big organizations. Impressive. Um, one thing I have, like, a, a big curiosity is why the name Try Training Harder? It's it's one of those things which actually retrospectively I kind of wish we'd done try training smarter. Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess that kind of comes across in that mentality of of people. You know, triathletes like looking for um, ways to kind of I guess boost their ego, add kudos or something to what they're doing. And hard usually means better um, in their their eyes. Retrospectively, as I said, as a coach, you sort of look at it and go, well, that isn't really the case, and so. Uh, perhaps <laughs> it would have been better with a slightly different name, but uh, we we just sat around trying to work out an idea, and we were obviously playing with a pun on try and triathlon and attempting trying something, um, and so we we kind of came up with that idea of try training harder. But it sort of it rolls off the tongue, um, it, it works, and um, I guess it's uh, it's sort of it's it's a nice sort of mentality. I guess a lot of people actually could just do with a bit of try training in the first place rather than the the harder bit as well but, uh, <laughs> it's good fun and um for those who, who know try training harder they know that the mojo or the hashtags we usually use is the beliefs drive achieve um why those three words philip i think it underpins everything which athletes need to have in order to succeed or achieve something um they need to be able to see what they're trying to do you know that's goal setting 101 as a coach what am I trying to do with this race? It might just be finishing. It might just be you know, qualify for something or win something. It might just be um, you know, trying, trying to do the best you can do. But you've, you've got to believe that that goal is attainable and uh, have the belief that you can go and do it. And that's what gets you through the hard days and gets you through um, the kind of not the monotony of training, but the difficulty of training and the points where you don't feel you can. You have to have belief that you can. Otherwise, everything else just doesn't really matter. Um, and then, obviously, you don't get anything in life without actually working for it. So striving for something is particularly important. And through those two um, means, that's 
very much the way you can then hopefully achieve what you're trying to trying to do uh, or at least if you don't achieve what you're trying to do you'll achieve something and uh, you'll learn from that and you'll re- review believe something else and try and go and do that one so I think it's just characteristics which under, undermine uh, endurance athletes you have to believe what you're doing and you have to work hard for it there's not really um, one without the other uh, or the achievement doesn't happen without the one without the other it doesn't fall from the sky for sure no a lot of athletes wish it did, though. Yeah, <laughs> wherever there's a shortcut, maybe, maybe that would have been uh, more interesting. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't just happen sadly overnight. Would be like if you wish it, you have it. Well, maybe you have to work a little bit harder for that. Um, and looking back, well, ten years ago, it was just a group of friends trying to organize something. However, ten years later, in 2020, the team of Try Train Hard is slightly bigger, and um, well, I would say, I can. I don't think I can say it better. Uh, but I can for sure say it different. Um, what can you say about the, the team of coaches that work for Try Training Harder? Well, hopefully they're still a group of friends as well. Uh, I, I know, um, I guess they maybe become friends rather than uh, <laughs> uh, the way around. I know, I know we do have a close-knit team uh, and that I think is true because people can say what they want. <laughs> for, uh, and I think that's really important. I think, um, you know, whenever you have a team uh, of individuals coming together uh, and working towards a common cause, you know, I think if, if you have a situation where everyone can speak their mind um, and be able to speak their mind, I think that is really important to, to help the team um, I would just achieve greater things, you know, if it's just one, one way or uh, people are afraid to talk or anything and you lose that. And so I think the, the team of coaches is great. You know, they, they, they challenge me day to day, uh, either in coaching or ways of doing things, you know, they, they, they as a group want to improve themselves, which is great to see. You know, if you have people wanting to work at their own personal development as a coach, um, you know, they, they're going to be going a long way and they're going to be consistent, consistently and continually improving. So you're going to see, uh, the work which they're doing is better, and so kind of that attitude and character which comes out of the coaches that we have is is fantastic, and it keeps I guess people who've been around for a long time, like myself, uh, within the business, and it keeps us on our toes, and it questions and challenges why we do things, and that means that the business is constantly evolving, and that's a really important part I think within especially triathlon, which is a fast moving sport uh, in terms of where it's going and where it wants to go, uh, I think it's really important to be constantly thinking about how we can do something better. Where can we get that edge to be better athletes or better coaches or, or, or better as a company? Um, so, yeah, I think the, the team the team of the coaches, it, it's, it's definitely different. Uh, it's a lot more structured. I think we can start seeing kind of really kind of reasons as to why and where people excel, whereas when we did it first time round, you know, 10 years ago, uh, a cowboy comes to mind <laughs> to a certain degree it wasn't for a few years where we realized that actually coaching was sort of what we were really good at yes we could go on training camps which was great but really it was the the coaching which should have separated us from a lot of other destinations that you could go and do and so that's when we started really working on that and even now we're still kind of refining and improving the the coach development settings and setups and how we can put everything together as well so uh yeah we um we just we just want to continually try and yeah. see how we can, as I said, get the edge and, and make ourselves and therefore our athletes and therefore each other better. And that collaborative approach, I think, is, mm-hmm. is a really useful. And useful I think tool. we can uh, we can also uh, refer to those who also work on the backstage of Trattering Harder. So this is not a company with only coaches. Um, we have some other people working just to make sure that this grows as a 
not only as a coaching company, but also as a as a, a nice team and who can uh, do a, a great job. Um, would you say that ten years ago, when you found the uh, the company, you would be on this stage at this moment? In t- uh, certain stage, in terms of the of quality, of quality. Um, I guess the, when we when we set up, you know, Charlie and Ed, who who set up the company. Uh, with me, we, we all had pretty high standards in terms of when we were trying to do things. We wanted to make sure we did them really well. Um, so I guess if the company was to carry on, which obviously it has, it was always going to go down that route of trying to make sure that we do have kind of good quality and and everything coming out of it as well. Um, but equally, those of you who know Charlie and Ed will also know that it's it's also meant meant to be a lot of fun in the process as well, and uh, and that sort of that lifestyle and, and that uh, approach to life has certainly remained still very core to the the company and, and how we try and do things. Because at the end of the day, you know, this is for most people, uh, triathlon, endurance sports, you know, an ultra marathon or, or whatever, it, it is something which they're doing as a hobby and it's an, something they enjoy doing. And so it's got to be fun. Otherwise, what's the point? Why why are we doing this? Yeah, exactly. And why do you think uh, Trigony Harder is different from the other coaching companies? I think the main one from our perspective is that collaborative approach. Um, I think there's some great coaches out there. There always will be great coaches um, around the world or in the UK. And um, I think that the the big uh, def- defining difference, if you like, between Try Training Harder and potentially other organizations, and I could be wrong, um, is that internal collaboration. Uh, you know, we, we look... We look at working and developing all of our coaches and we're not we're trying not to be and that's really important especially from my perspective um that we, we try not to be one kind of under one coach's umbrella so we're not kind of philip hatz's coaching for example we we are a company and i mean my my dream would be to not be the person who's got the most experience and have that's uh, <laughs> potentially yes but you know if, if, if we're collaborative and we can bring people together you know people like yourself um there's some other coaches in the, in the team who are, you know are definitely doing more coaching at the moment than i am because i'm doing sort of you know half-time business and half-time coaching um you know the, the, these sort of coaches are going to become more capable than than i will do and and for me that would be the absolute joy out of this is when you have a whole bunch of coaches of all different abilities and it, it doesn't matter if you're the founder or if you're the person who's arrived more most recently you've got that mindset so yeah i think that collaboration piece um is probably the strongest difference between um the coaching company uh, that we have and, and potentially other ones and i guess from a from an athlete's perspective that then means that uh the advice that you're getting from the one coach has been peer-reviewed and tested amongst all the other coaches within the company. And that's when I go back to the point around challenging us, you know, we put together our staff development, we keep on refining it. And I think we're on a good path finally with a, with something which is a lot more um, structured, but that won't be the end. That will be continually assessed. And as a new coach comes on board, they add their views, experiences and philosophies into the pool of, of knowledge that Try Training Harder has. And that's only going to make all the other coaches better because it will challenge mm-hmm. the way that they think. And so, yeah, when you get a coach sort of suggesting something to you as an athlete, you, you're getting not just that coach's input and it's not just one team. senior coach's sort of this is how I've done it and this is how we should do it. It's the whole team has sort of said this is what we think is the best way forwards given the information, the experience, the knowledge that we possess as a, as a group of coaches. And I think that's really powerful. Um, I, I guess that athletes probably won't see quite how powerful that is until they start working um, with 
with a coach uh, in that in that sort of capacity. But uh, I, I think as a coach, it's a it's a fantastic fantastic way of sharing knowledge and, and helping upskill coaches who are newer to the, the sport uh, and the business of coaching, but actually get some really high quality work done with them. I still remember when I started working with with Tri Training Hard in 2017. Um, I started working in Algarve on the training camps, and I listened to my my colleagues talking about well, Philip this, Philip that. And I was like, but what does Philip does in the um, in the company? And they were like, well, he found it. Oh, okay. So just for you, just for you guys to have an idea on how open the relationship is between all of us, that you don't see the boss as the boss but there's someone from the team. So I think that's one of the biggest things in this company and makes you very happy to work on it is that we are so open between all of us that we can share um, opinions and uh, feelings about the work itself that no one will judge you. They'll just try to help you as a, as a one. So I think that's quite, quite good. Um, Philip, just to have an idea, do you, do you know how many countries is TTH represented in terms of athletes? Uh, <laughs> how many com- countries as a as a number? Um, I I wouldn't be able to say exact numbers. I know we. I mean, obviously, you coach a lot of people in in Qatar, so in the Middle East. Uh, we've had athletes in Dubai, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, obviously the US as well. Um, we had training camp guests from uh, South America, Brazil, and Argentina. Um, we obviously have athletes in Europe as well, Finland, France. Uh, Germany, um, Portugal, believe it or not. A couple of people from Greece as well. So we, we, we've got athletes from, from all over, uh, I guess, is, um, is the truth uh, on that one. And, and that's, that's quite fun. It, it brings its own challenges. I mean, you've had athletes uh, Malaysia, India as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and, uh, and so, yeah, we, we've, we've, had, we've had athletes from, from literally all over, all over the world, which is... Um, which is really cool, and um, it, it does bring its own challenges in terms of how how you work in different cultures. Obviously, time zone comes into it, but actually, that's really just a small small matter of just being organised yeah. and everything. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a really exciting exciting way to look at how everything's done, uh, you know, differently in different countries, and again, how coaches can help learn, improve their their training and their coaching as well. I think that, um, well, everyone knows that the situation, the current situation is not the best one because we have the COVID-19 issue around the world. Um, how do you think that the company reacted to this new uh, reality in terms of uh, as a team? I, I think, I mean, I'm really proud of the, the, the team um, for the way that they reacted. I mean, we were kind of up against it when we were out in Portugal because we were sort of waiting for the government to make a call so that we could... Um, shut down without incurring huge um huge costs uh, left right and center uh, and i think that was really hard uh, both at a an organization level so trying to kind of making sure that everyone's safe but also um uh, for the for coaches and everything you know, trying to kind of proceed as everything was sort of normal but clearly it, the world was imploding <laughs> as, yeah, as yeah. we were as we were working um but i, I think you look at again that that teamwork, that collaboration, you know, everyone worked together to make sure that at that time of crisis, um, the, the company, the, the team, the athletes, the people we were working with were looked after, um, you know, from Nick based back in the UK, looking after, um, uh, things, emails. And he had a lot of emails coming in asking about training camps, what to do, how this is all, um, manifesting itself. You know, he, 
he had a lot of that to deal with, which he managed to filter through and pass on only key stuff to us out in Portugal so that we could focus on making sure the people out in Portugal were safe as well. Um, so I think, you know, times of stress, crisis, et cetera, sort of reveals character rather than builds it and creates it. So I think you, you could see just the type of people and uh, that were on the team. And that was awesome to see as a, you know, as a, as a team leader, as a head coach and, and the founder of a company to see the, everyone working together and trying to take over things. You know, I knew uh, one of the coaches, Soraya, for example, she was due to come out on, I think, Thursday or Friday of the week. Um, yeah, the and, week. and sort of, I was like, right, Soraya, you're going to have to not come out because it looks like we're probably going <laughs> to all head back on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, but this is what we want to start moving into. And that kind of um, gave birth to you know, the virtual club, the virtual sessions that we're doing. And um, and so I said, sorry, I, I, I can't have the time at the moment to have a look at all this. So can you please go and have a look at everything to do with Swift and how we want to do things and, and just give me a, a steerage so that on Monday I can give you a shout and we can kind of work out what we want to try and do, how we can make that um, work. So she kind of did a couple of days work and, um, you know, <laughs> sorted some things out. So there's a clear direction and then the company could roll with, and pivot, or I think the words pivot in, in business speak, you know, pivot with what have happened and then try and offer something for our athletes to make sure that, you know, they were safe and they were getting useful, clear and strategic content to them, which allowed them to, um, to be able to continue doing what they love. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm really proud of the team um, and the way they responded. Um, would we do things differently as a coach, always looking to try and see how we can get the edge on things? You know, yeah, certainly we look at doing things in a different way and approaching things differently and hindsight, you know, 2020 hindsight, quite literally this year, um, would be would have been quite useful. And um, sure, we've done a few things differently, but I think that in general, uh, we, did a, we did a good job um, of keeping athletes safe and making sure that they were safe through that time and continue to do so. So, um, yeah, a, a big shout out to the team coaches and, and Scott and Lynn from the catering side of things and, uh, and Nick and everybody in the, in, the, in the team of Try Training Harder, you know, who, who managed yeah. to, to help move mountains essentially to make things happen really quickly um, and, uh, and hopefully keep, keep everyone safe and motivated as well. Yeah, I think we all did a good job to try to motivate the athletes, um, considering the re- well, the reality we are facing now, with no races, no events, everything has been cancelled or postponed. So it was hard, but uh, I think we we did quite well. Um, would you say that this um, the COVID nineteen will change the future of triathlon as we know it, or soon we're gonna get back to normal? I, I think I don't think we'll get back to normal this year. I think it will be very different um, to what we're used to seeing. In all honesty, I kind of feel that we'll probably not see a normal triathlon until there's a vaccine uh, in place. Um, I'd be interested to see if the uh, implications of how we have to race be that a time trial format looks you know, much more the waves um, in rolling starts and all those side things. I'd be very interested to see if, new formats of racing comes into effect which actually changes the way that we do the sport um you know we, we've seen it within try training harder that these sort of op- these sort of times cause either um massive catastrophe catastrophic failure where everything just kind of doesn't work and it, it doesn't happen or it provides opportunities and it's, it's partly an attitude that people might have in these sort of 
faces of, of adversity. But if we see this as an opportunity, what opportunities can we make and take from this situation to make the sport slightly different but improve it? You know, we don't have to necessarily go back to swim, bike, run format in that current, in the kind of traditional way of knowing it if actually people are suddenly enjoying a new style of racing. Um, so I, I think that there's there's probably some things that we, obviously we don't know at this moment in time, but I think we might suddenly start seeing uh, maybe new styles of racing which become the new normal, not because we have to be socially distanced from one another, but because actually it's been quite fun doing things a bit differently and, and challenging ourselves differently as well. So I I would be interested to see how things change and what happens as a result of that. But no, it's, it's not going to be the, the same style of racing that we know of at this moment in time. We might go back to something which is more normal. Um, but almost certainly, you know, time trial starts, rolling starts are going to be a thing. Small races, very small crowd, um, uh, crowds being present. Uh, that atmosphere is all going to be quite different. You know, that's going to be a very different way that we end up finding ourselves racing. So I think um, it will be... It'll be different, but I think it'll be fun, and I think athletes in, on athletes in the whole uh, on the whole have a have the skill set to be able to adapt to those sorts of changes. And not for the coaches, they also have to adapt for the new reality for sure. Well, yeah, coaches too, uh, but then coaches have been adapting to different race formats and structures since sort of the dawn of endurance and multi sports. You know, we we had triathlon, and then we had oh, we'll do duathlons now. Well, technically, a duathlon and a triathlon, aside from a different sport, it's a very different. Um, style of racing uh, then you say okay well actually I quite like to go longer so I can do Ironman and then well that's fine but I actually quite fancy doing um, some ultra trail stuff and so all these things are endurance sports um, so as a coach we're used to adapting to the slight nuanced changes within what the the stress of a, an event might be for an athlete and training an athlete to towards performing and using the <laughs> striving to achieve uh, using the tagline um, you know, we help them perform and achieve what they're trying to do in those slightly different events anyway. So from a coaching point of view, we're just going to carry on doing what we've always done really well, which is look at what the event is, understand what the the key thing is for the athletes to be able to do in order to, to succeed in the goals which they're looking to try and do. And then we're going to try and help them execute it, build a plan up and let them execute it. So that, as a coach, is actually very similar to what we're doing already. It's just there'll be a few different competition rules in place and a few changes. And we'll just have to play um, play by a slightly different set of rules. But in reality, it's going to be the athlete who changes things a little bit more. But they've been doing that for a long time when they change between distances or events and types. And I want to go and do this crazy long bike ride suddenly or, or whatever it might be. So from a coach's perspective, I don't think it changes materially that much but from an athlete's perspective it will change a lot more and i think it's uh, it's quite interesting because um i think it was like three weeks ago we had a translation show three or four weeks ago and uh we had uh, some coaches as guests and they all all sharing the same opinion in terms of um planning and uh, the future of triathlon so for those who didn't watch it at the time we have it in our website um I still remember that we had some race organizer talking about the future of competitions. So everything will change for sure, um, and hopefully it will change for better. Uh, and speaking about the translation show, Philip, uh, that was a huge uh, project that ETH did in such a short period of time. Um, will we see anything similar in the near future? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the translation show was a lot of fun. And um, if we could do something else similar, it would be, be good to do. 
I think it would be interesting to see how much support we get from the community to do something like that again if it was to be done more consistently. I think uh, I think there's scope for learning and an opportunity for athletes to learn as well. And it would be really a question of how we can bring that into the uh, into a bit more mainstream. But um, if people enjoyed it and they had fun, I think that's a really important part, especially at this time or at the time that we did it when you know, lockdown was in its full swing, people weren't getting out. So it gives people an opportunity to learn. I think that would be, it would be great to do something else like that. It was a lot of fun. It definitely was a bit more organization than maybe we thought it would be. But um, that's always part of the fun about learning and, and developing new ideas. I think people don't realize in uh, how short in time we were to organize this. It was like less than one week, if I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah, we launched it, I think, 12 days before we did it. And that was partly because the the government lockdown in the UK was, they were giving information on Thursday before the event. And the Thursday before the event, I think they said, we'll give more information on the Sunday. And on Sunday, then they said, oh, by the way, as of tomorrow, you can go back to work. So it kind of, <laughs> if, if we hadn't done uh, it that week, we probably would have um, lost the uh, the lure of lockdown. Although that, that said, it did take place in probably one of the sunniest, nicest um, days of the year in the UK. So I think quite a few people watched it in the um, in the few days afterwards, rather than necessarily on the day. But uh, but yeah, there was uh, there was the the slight time pressure from the uh, the government. But it was yeah, it was good fun, and um, uh, done in a very short space of time. And again, looking at the team and how they put everything together quite quickly like that, and all the the guest speakers that we had who kindly gave up their time. It was it was really nice to to see that community of the triathletes just generally coming together to try and do something for. For everybody, you know, try and see if they could help where they could. In a very uh, relaxed environment, um, most of them were staying at home, so I think that quite helped. Well, it does make it easier when you know that people's uh, diaries are probably free. <laughs> what are you doing on this Saturday? Uh, probably nothing. <laughs> so you can almost guarantee that they don't have anything on. You can kind of um, twist their arm into joining us. So, and um, will be there any more exciting projects ahead that you can tell us, or we have to wait? Uh, well, let's wait and see what happens a little bit. Uh, I mean, try training harder turns 10 this summer, um, well, in about a month and a half's time. And so uh, we were looking at trying to do something kind of big for that, but that kind of, we shut that down fairly quickly when we realized that uh, we have to wait one more year. Was, yeah, it would be difficult to celebrate. Uh, but yeah, I mean, next year's. TTH turns 10 and we were looking to see something something fun for that one uh, new kits coming out which is always um, good to see and uh, there'll be a few other other things going on at the moment but I think one of the main things that uh, this situation has caused everybody to do is stop and think and so you know definitely as a, as a company and as a group of coaches you know we, we have all stopped to try and work out how we can do what we currently do differently better and improve it I mean that's the, the joy of having this time and so yeah I I can't tell you exactly what's coming up because no one really can, but I'm sure there'll be some some pretty cool things uh, that coaches will be doing and, and working towards and, and, and athletes will be achieving things as well. And that's always a pleasure to watch. And just to finish, would there would be anything that you'd like to, to say to our listeners? Well, this is obviously the first time that we've done a podcast, so podcast episode 001, um, which is, is exciting in its own right. Um, and I know, Diego, you've done some fantastic interviews with athletes and, and uh, people within the community of triathletes um, before. And I know you really enjoy it. So hopefully 
uh, going back to kind of the team and everything. You know, this is something where you've had an idea, you've wanted to go and do this, and we want to see how this goes. And I, and I really hope that this um, this podcast, the idea of kind of offering useful coaching knowledge for uh, for the everyday athlete, if you like, I hope this really does work and 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 helps helps people because I, I think there's lots of podcasts out there and there's lots of things out there as well which. Uh, people can tune into and I hope this resonates because I think you've got a really good way of putting uh, questions to people and opening people up so yeah let's see see how this goes but um, <laughs> no pressure right <laughs> thank you okay Philip thank you so much for joining in on our first episodes um, I hope for those who are listening that you guys have enjoyed this uh, this half an hour of uh, chatting and, and soon we're going to have some more um, news for you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. And show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.